0: Queen hello we are back we are back another week and excited to be here for season two of really queen radio my name is brian kent and we are live from san francisco and i have some special guests back with me once again and we're so glad you guys were able to make it back oh lord really queen (laughs) right off the bat she's excited girl she's right off the bat really queen (laughs) how are you guys this is uh, um sorry i'm sorry i haven't even told you that just right here i have david helton who is with us a few weeks back, um, he is a producer. He is a DJ. He is a party promoter. He is girl, you everything. Work She's part. a drug dealer. Uh, She's yeah. a waitress. She's an actress and a model. She does got- hair. She does do hair, mean, do <laughs> and she does it well. You should see hers, girl. It's fierce. <laughs> and uh, we have um, Philip Grasso, who is also a DJ and a producer, spinning the scene and uh, the, the men, the men's dance circuit scenes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. Ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping the boys happy. Well, we're glad that you guys are back. You guys have a uh, a, a good couple weeks since I've seen you, or yeah. <laughs> It's been, it's been so long, girl uh, it's You guys, I mean, you don't look any older I know <laughs> you, do not look, you do not look any older Well, if you are just joining us here on Really Queen Radio, welcome Again, we are live from San Francisco And each week we explore a new musical artist Who has helped to influence and form the LGBTQ culture as we know it today The show was born out of a conversation I was having with a friend Where I said, uh, you know, hey, do you know who this person is? Or do you love the song? And this is so-and-so And my friend was like, uh... Who is this? And literally it was at that point I was just like, really Queen <laughs> <laughs> Or actually what I said was Really Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I had the soundbite with me. Um, <laughs> I, I I just I, they, your phone. I literally carried around just, just in <laughs> case. <laughs> I just walk up to idiots and go, really queen. Um but yeah, so we've run into that. Um and we are here today talking about an artist, and these guys don't know who that artist is until I announce it. So, a couple of things. One is you can call in during the show if you'd like to speak to us at 415-550-0511. Um, don't forget we're on Instagram at Really Radio, and our website is reallyqueenradio.com, where you can find... All the information on where to find our podcasts. Um, We are live on Thursday nights from uh, 8 p.m. until 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then we are um, on our podcast um, platforms all basically everywhere. So um, if you have a podcast uh, uh, platform, we're there. Um, So are you guys ready?
1: Yeah. Let's yes. Do yes, ma'am.
0: Are you excited? I'm excited. This. Um, so, keeping in the vein uh the first season, we did a lot of um, females. So, keeping in the vein this season, I'm trying to focus also on the guys. That, and by the way, I want to say this. You know, um, uh, um, it's harder, I think, for a male artist to become a gay icon. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Don't you agree? Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I mean, even even performer and you know, I mean, I'm I'm a recording artist, and my fellow recording artists, such as you know, everyone from Jason Walker and Ari Gold and Matt Zarley and you know, just the list goes on and on of these guys, David Hernandez, who are out gay artists. But it's harder for for the gay, especially gay men, to look up to us for some reason. It's always- you know, it's
1: interesting. You don't have to be a gay artist to be a gay icon. Look at Prince. Look at, you know, like we said, David Bowie. Latin. Absolutely. So a lot of times it's easier for the people who are kind of the androgynous in the middle. I think, you know for gay guys, it's hard.
0: For sure. And, I, and, I, and I'm certainly not in plan that we should be gay icons, but I think even, I find sometimes, like, even the support is harder coming from, you know, we all have our, our big black divas singing and yep. wailing, you know what I mean? And and so I think it's, it's, just, it's just a tougher road. And so we don't really think often a lot. I mean, we have a handful, I think, if we look back in history of gay male icons or whether they were, especially if they were actually out and right. gay.
1: That's the thing, though. See, that's, that's, the, that's the Achilles heel. So I think about Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin was the biggest star in the world when he did the Grammys, the biggest star in the world. And all I could think was, wow, wouldn't it be great if he was an ally and out? But what was this motherfucker doing? Getting on VH1 and saying nope I have a girlfriend you know he played that to the bitter end and I think had he been out loud and proud during the Grammys he would have been a true gay icon right where it's waiting to come out on People Magazine you know a decade later when your career is virtually done and it, you know I, and I get it everyone has their
0: own journey and you yep. have to you know and he, maybe he wouldn't be Ricky Martin if he had exactly. if he if he had done that you know he, and I mean we talked about David Bowie um, on the last time that you were here and you know how he said that was probably the biggest mistake that he ever made and so if you think that was you know then maybe it would have been the same thing. So way, I mean it
1: goes all the way down to Ellen. Like like mm-hmm. even when Ellen came out, she lost everything, yep. but she had to rebuild it. Yep. Same thing with Ricky Martin, now he's playing gay characters on TV. But initially what I'm saying is when in the when we needed them the most in the late 80s, early 90s during the epidemic, yeah, it would have sure. been great if yeah. you would has the most the biggest star in the world saying, "Yeah, I'm gay.
0: Yeah, and it's okay."
1: As opposed to saying, mm, "I don't know if I'm right, 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 really, really going <laughs> right." You know what's and
0: it's interesting. Before, like, you get too much on a tangent. You know, when I made my music videos, I have six music videos, and I always made sure that. And my music videos, because I know a lot of my my cronies who are definitely they're out, but they make their music videos to where they're like in a car with a girl, or kissing a girl, or courting a girl. Not all of them, yeah. but some of them. And I'm just like, I can't do that. Like I, I feel like I have two choices. I can either be true to my music, and that's the only way that I'll succeed, or um, I have to play this game, which I don't think I'll ever really be the true musician that I can be if I'm hiding myself. It'd be like an artist, a painter that couldn't let themselves free and let all their creativity out. I feel like I had to be who I was. So in my videos, like I don't have to be. Overtly gay i don 't have to yeah. be making out with a guy i don 't have to have it to where if a straight person's watching my video, they go oh i don 't relate with a song because it 's about a gay a gay relationship right I just tried to make it more about a relationship in general or a right. situation other as
1: gay men we 're disappointed when our icons. Don't claim us. Do you, and you, and you know what I'm sure, saying? Like, of course. Like even with
0: it's like your parents not owning
1: owning you because you're gay. Like you yeah, want someone yeah. to say they're okay, you're okay. I'm this. We're all okay. Exactly. And like you know, you're saying you cover a lot of the women. It's because the women like mid- during the '80s they were really on our side. Like they they had no problem jumping in with the gay men and saying I'm I'm part of this group. How did you feel when you came out, Philip? <laughs> <laughs> are you out yet? Or, I'm sorry. Yeah. Out yeah out did <laughs> I just out you, Philip? Oh my girl. god. Oh really. I mean, uh, I grew up here and it was like it wasn't even a big deal. So Well because you have San Francisco yeah, San Francisco it was no, like but I think I was also like the school that I was at if I was at a different school I probably would have felt less comfortable or
0: if you were you're from Georgia like if I you know. were from, in Georgia no
1: we didn't go to gay school we went to regular school I,
0: I, I call how it, it I, in Marina how
1: was it in Marina Del Rey girl seriously
0: no girl I, I tell people that I, I went to gay school because I was bused to an all black school
1: <laughs> oh my God, the story I love the story this is
0: a fucking true story when I was in elementary school I was bussed and 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 so every day I get on a bus and I go to to Hobart Elementary School in Los Angeles downtown and I get off the bus and with the whole point of immigration or immigration integration <laughs> girl you don't leave the country girl I felt like I was immigrating <laughs> I was going downtown girl um, but the whole point of um, you know that whole program was to have you know blacks hang out with whites and and, and and to to intermingle and to mix but they didn't they just got off the bus and they hung out with their friends and yeah. they just didn't intermingle whereas I got off the bus and I went and hung out with all the black girls I did the same thing and I mean we played and we did hair You're and we hair, did, right. did something I had cornrows I got back on that bus and nobody wanted to sit next to my wife because I had cornrows in my hair, and I remember I got out. Got out. And my mother picked me up from school, and she looked at me with this, this like look of what the fuck what has happened that? to your hair? It was the '70s, so my hair was longer. And and they they, they cornrowed it. And she said uh, she said What happened to your hair? And I looked straight at her and I said I integrated. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, Okay, <laughs> touche. <laughs> got nothing to say about that. So, anyways, this next artist. <laughs> now, now, we're back to this. Then this next artist absolutely is a gay icon for many many reasons. But let's just let's just hear him hear him Out first and hear what I think now is probably the song that is identified most with him, um, which ironically didn't start out as his most successful number, but later on uh, went out to be uh, turned out to be something that was really, really something amazing.
2: It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside.
0: God, I just love that song. It's I just do like love that song. it's hard just not to just get emotional.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess the first time I ever heard that song this is probably embarrassing, but um, it was in Moulin Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's embarrassing yeah (laughs) (laughs) I love that song though wait Moulin Rouge yeah really
3: (laughs) (laughs) queen that's my favorite movie
0: (laughs) I know no I mean and you know that but it's good that like at least there was movies like that that are rebirthing so people like you can understand it you know I mean that's I've sung that song in my repertoire on tons of shows I've sung the song Um, he and I have a similar range so I like to do a lot of his material and you know that's just always a song and then of course you know Hugh McGregor did an amazing remake of that and that's so it Definitely gave it more life um, and, and a rebirth. But let's 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 learn a couple things about him um, that we may or may not know. Um, so you know, he's it's Sir Elton Hercules John. That's his that's his full name. Hercules. Her- Hercules. Mm-hmm. But originally, his born name is Reginald Kenneth Dwight. Yeah, we know why he changed his name. Right, <laughs> Dwight. Yeah, he's 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 English. Obviously, he's a singer, pianist, and composer. Um, and he's worked with lyri- uh, with lyricist um, Bernie Taupin um, as a songwriting partner since 1967. And we'll talk a little bit later about how they ended up coming together. It's kind of uh, it's kind of pretty fantastic how that happened. But they've col- collaborated on more than 30 albums together over the years. Damn. Imagine having a writing partner that you work that long with that right. you don't end up killing or murdering. Um, here's some statistics that I just thought were really cool that I just want to like let everybody know. So he sold. More more than 300 million records making him one of the best-selling music artists in the world
1: i think 100 million of them were the candle in the wind remake yeah they were i I remember that they were like they were everybody i knew had it my grandma had it my aunt had it i had it
0: yeah we'll talk about that um specifically in just a minute he has had more than 50 top 40 hits Including seven consecutive number one albums Seven consecutive now Imagine you put seven albums out And every one of them is consecutively number one I mean that's just freaking unbelievable 58 Billboard Top 40 singles 27 Top 10 um Uh, four of which reached two and nine related, uh, reached number one, so like tons of that. Um, His tribute to Candle in the Wind 1997, which was um, originally, which was rewritten in dedication of Princess Diana, sold over 33 million copies worldwide, so you're almost there. You're almost there, 33 million copies. Um, He's uh, composed music, produced records, and has occasionally acted in films. He's received five Grammy Awards, nominated for around 30. Another one who's like, how do you get, how do you have this history and this repertoire and be this famous, and sell that many albums and only have five Grammy Awards when you were nominated for but 30. Because
1: you were number one. Hmm. Right. you were number one all those times. So it it can work against you.
0: It's, it's, yeah, apparently. I mean, it's crazy. Um, he has an Academy Award, a Golden Globe Award, a Tony Award, a Disney Legends Award. He Kennedy Center Honors in uh, in 2004. They did uh, the Kennedy Center Honors in his name. Um, he was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1984. I mean, it just, it just goes on. And he was knighted uh, which, uh, by Elizabeth II, which is why he's now Sir Elton John. Um, and, um, you know, for me, you know, he was always a gay icon because
1: I always felt like he was gay. You know what I mean? I, but was he ever in the closet? I mean, I try, I'm like, you look at him and you're like, come on now. Right. I mean, it reminds me of like the whole so, Liberace
0: phenomenon. Right, exactly. So he announced that he was bisexual not until 1976. Right. And and so has has been openly gay since 1988. So... Right, open like like admittingly gay, and he entered into a civil partnership with his now um, his now husband David Furnish in two thousand and five when same sex marriage uh, became legal in England. Um, But you know he another one that wasn't like really just fully out. Like he he acted (laughs) as if he was Right. right, but he he definitely was not.
1: It's that time period. There's something there's something that happened in the Culture Club time period where these gay artists were. Still closeted, but everyone knew we just weren't allowed to really talk about it, or they couldn't talk about it. Well, it's yeah, very confusing,
0: it's a very confusing, but even yeah. that even continued like with Prince. I mean, like, yeah. not that Prince is gay, no, but like you could be this flamboyant character and nobody cared.
1: But the moment you said, I suck a dick, it's over, <laughs> it's over, <laughs> it's over, <laughs> right? You know, what I'm saying, like, Elton John, is, I mean, I think about the whole Liberace phenomenon, I, I still can't get my head around. How all these women were throwing themselves at Liberace, I'm like,
0: Ladies. And, and even even men, even straight, the straightest narrow of men, who knew that like Liberace was gay, flamboyant They didn't, but
1: they didn't care. Like
0: yep. they didn't care in terms of listening well, to the you music.
1: Say it, you could, you could, it could be implied, and you could dance around it. But the moment you said it, career over.
0: Right, totally. So you know, he started. You know, he's like this child protege. I, I don't know if you knew that. He started playing his grandmother's um, piano when he was very, very young. Um, and within like a year, his 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 mother heard him picking. Out the skater's waltz. So um, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a very difficult piece of music. So he started performing at like family gatherings, and um, by the age of seven, he you know ended up taking uh, regular or formal um, piano lessons, and. Um, when he started taking piano lessons, um, he, he, just, he, he was so good that by the age of 11, he won this junior scholarship to go to the Royal Academy of Music Wow! at, at 11 years old to win Damn. that kind of a scholarship. And one of his instructors said that um, he would hear something and he would play it. He heard this piece by Handel, for example, and he would hear it and he would play it back like it was a phonograph. Like, he could literally, like, hear something and just start playing it. He said it was really... Phonograph.
3: <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have one either, but I know what they are, girl. Um, and at the, at, the, at the age of 15, with the help of his mom and his stepfather, um, Reginald Dwight... No, that's what, that was his name at the time. Um, he became a weekend pianist at a nearby pub um, at, at the Northwood Hills Hotel, playing Thursday to Sunday nights. I mean, this is a 15-year-old kid who's right. playing at a pub, a pub. In a pub. In a pub. Uh, as a regular um, weekly gig. But here's the cool part about his partnership with Bernie Taupin. In 1967, Elton answered an advertisement in the British magazine called New Musical Express. The ad was placed by this guy named Ray Williams, who was then the A&R manager for Liberty Records. And their first meeting, Williams gave Elton an unopened envelope of lyrics that had been written by Bernie Taupin, who had also answered the same ad right but right. as a lyricist so he said you know go right go right to this so elton wrote for the music for those lyrics and then um sent it to talpin and that began uh, their partnership for the next whatever number of lifetime. years yeah for, a lifetime. for whole lifetime i mean it's pretty it's pretty incredible that these two you know this lyricist and this composer would write to the same magazine and be teamed up and paired and then that is kind of how that ended up ended up happening um but I mean, you certainly, Philip. You you know Elton John. Yeah. Uh, outside of your song, you you had heard of him growing up. Yeah, yeah. Because your parents played him, or
3: no? I mean, just,
1: on the radio. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. On the phonograph, on, on the, the phonograph, phonograph. <laughs> she she used
0: to listen to him on the phonograph, um, right? Um, so he released his, his self titled album called Elton John in 1970, and um, he kind of established the formula for all of his subsequent uh, albums, which is kind of like this gospel chorded you know rocker with poignant ballad kind of thing, um, and. The, the second single, they hit a single called "Border" border song, which peaked at ninety two, which didn't do that well. But then the second single, which was your song that we just listened to, hit number seven. It didn't actually go number one, and it, and the irony is that this is now probably the song that he's most known for, right? Right. But when it first came out. Not you know not so much. I mean you know number seven is great, but it wasn't what we would think it would be um, now. Um, he then went on in 1972 to release his album called Honky Chateau, um, and it became his
1: first. <laughs> Honky Chateau. Yeah, it actually did really well. It, it, was his it f- actually did really. Yeah, well. it
0: was his first U.S. number one album ever, yep. and it um, it had this song on it which everybody knows um, and i'll tell you a little bit about um, what this what the song means to me and did it. but this this is this is one of the songs on the album his first album that went number 1 in the uh, united states
2: Get back my bags last night flight 00 9am and i'm gonna be high Touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home
0: the longest time to figure out what the fuck he was saying this there.
1: is also the title of the movie that's coming out this year.
0: yes it is it's um i think when is it do you know when it comes out i
1: didn't i watched the trailer a couple days ago um but i know it's like a big splashy biopic which it's very rare they make these while you're still alive normally these are posthumous kind of things right but um the reviews are saying or the 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 word is that it's extremely gay it's not like it's yes, like yes. not holding back on that, the details and apparently he's He's, it really is a tell-all kind of film so the gay should be very happy with the level of gayness
0: yeah yeah I, I actually read the same thing I'm kind of really excited to um, see that I did I did this in in one of my one-man shows once and except I held um, one of those um, drug bumpers up that, that, looked, that, <laughs> looked like, that looked like little rockets and I was like rocket man I was like
3: oh, burn, his fuse up <laughs>
0: you got to keep it real though you know, you, when you have it when you have an audience you got <laughs> it you got to keep it real the visual it's about, I mean, come on, when I pulled that out, the gays were like, yeah, it's (laughs) Queen. It's a good
1: drag number.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Um, So, you know, so after that album, he did um, an album called Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. That was the name of his album. Um, And that was, that came out in 1973. It reached number one in the UK and the US again. So this was now, this is the start of his streak of having these, uh, you know, these one after one number ones. And he produced, um, from that album came Crocodile Rock. Do you remember that song? I love that song. That song is
1: so like I don't know. It almost it doesn't even sound it's not t- it's it's almost like a, a from a time past when it came out. It was almost like a nineteen fifties track, sixties track. But it it resonated. It what it, it was what it did really well. It it was almost like and now
0: that you're saying that, it was kinda like shana na ba ba right? <laughs> Very it, like it
1: was kinda like that. Bubblegum like nineteen fifties, but it, it, it hit the charts and which people loved it. Isn't
0: what you'd expect in like the, no. the, the, that that late <laughs>
1: But you know it's almost kinda like the Amy Winehouse Adele kind of um Phenomenon that happens. I mean, you kind of revive those old kind of vibes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know the song,
2: Philip?
1: No, never heard okay, it. Okay, listen you, to, the, sure listen to this.
0: It's totally I mean it's so funny You said that Because I never thought of that Until you just said that It sounds
1: like throwback I was like oh This song he did in the 50s And I look at him Like oh no He wasn't alive Like throwing Skipping stones
0: And holding hands And you know Blah 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 And what do you think Philip?
1: Not my fave <laughs> Well there's something Really nostalgic And <laughs> innocent about it that's Well of- I don't think This is about
0: me Making you have New favorite songs <laughs> I think this is more About just understanding What it was at the time She's like Yeah not gonna buy it <laughs> Um Okay girl Um Another song came From that album Called Daniel Yeah And I know for me Uh that song was personal I lost uh, my stepfather was killed in an airplane crash and his name was Dan and so um, and there's a line in there about um, being on a plane and so for, as a kid it, it just always I always thought that song was just about him right. and um, a lot of people um, when when Bernie Taplin wrote Daniel um, it was after he uh, read an article I think it was Time or Newsweek about the Vietnam War um, about a guy who had been wounded and he wanted to get away from the attention he was um, receiving when he went back home like he just wanted to go home and be home he didn't want to be this hero he didn't want to talk about what had happened and so the last it's interesting because the last verse of the original draft of the song was cut from the final version um Mm -hmm. which has led to like a lot of speculation as to like what what was it about maybe it was too political maybe it was too this but daniel is noted as one of the most misinterpreted songs um that they'd ever written Um, because everyone kind of thinks it's about different things, but the story was about a guy that went back into the small town of Texas, returning from the Vietnam war. And, you know, everyone at home, you know, lauded him when he came home and treated him like a hero, but he just wanted to go home. He just wanted to go back to the farm and try to get back to the life that he had led before. And so he wanted to write something that was, um, sympathetic to the people that came home. And so the song, you know, was written for those people that were coming home, um, from the Vietnam war. Um, Let's give it a listen. About now
1: But you know you can almost Get it when you If you really listen to it You can almost get it
0: Like if you're smart If you're smart <laughs> Like if you're smart And you have half a brain I mean yeah I mean you're right It's like you can kind of see That it's obviously Well I mean I think
1: There's a lot of emotion In the way Elton John sings and the way he delivers A song Like you heard Crocodile Rock And then you hear that It sounds like Two different artists Totally He's not, he's not stuck in one Genre Like he can really Kind of jump around Musically Which shows how Genius he is any guess how many concerts he has done in his in his career? Well, he's finishing up. He's doing three hundred shows.
0: Can I just tell you? I literally went online today to try to buy tickets to this concert. Forget it. <clears throat> well, if you want really good seats, they're like three yeah, thousand dollars. Ridiculous. Because it's his, his farewell. Although you know, he this is an interesting point. He in nineteen seventy seven announced that he was retiring from yeah, I remember I like, that. Um, which probably now he is because he's obviously and he's, he's 72 or 3 or something like that and he has a family and he's saying he wants to focus on his kids so I totally get that but um, I would love to see him in concert but he's he's actually done more than 3,500 concerts I prepared. believe that is like think about that in almost 80 countries um, around the world like I don't know I just I just find that to be sounds exhausting <laughs> this bitch but okay but yeah but let's talk about how much money she has yeah
1: 500 million she's a,
0: she's half of she's halfway to billionaire girl
1: yeah. and most of that i mean literally that he gets a check every time somebody plays lion king that bitch gets a check every time somebody feels the love tonight that's the way to do it <laughs> yeah, you know who else does
0: that shit is dolly parton yeah,
1: seriously i mean he makes more money off the rights for that show they said that he makes uh they make like something like 76 million pounds i don't know what that transfers translates to but Oh, it's a shit ton of money off Lion King, and now that it's going to be a real movie, yeah, is Beyonce going to be Beyonce's going to be in it? He's collaborating with Beyonce. That's yes. the, that's wait, the word. wait,
0: oh, oh, right, the Lion King movie, the, the live movie with
1: he's doing the music for it.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, that that is going to be amazing. Yeah. I saw actually a preview in the theater. They did this. Where did oh, I see this trailer? A trailer, something in the theater. I believe it was in the theater. Yeah. yeah, um, and they showed all the cast, and I was just like, oh my god, like that that. That looks like something that's going to be amazing. Do you know um, he was in a movie? Do you remember what movie he was in? I don't. Was it porn?
3: <laughs> God,
1: I hope not. Rocket Man. I mean, girl. no. Rocket Man. She's. Yeah, called Rocket Man. Daniel.
0: <laughs> Why does Rocket Man remind me of? Like one of those dogs that have. Uh, never mind. Um, he did a cover of Pinball Wizard in the movie Tommy. Uh,
1: that was the Who movie, right?
0: That was the Who movie. I, I, and I, I
1: vaguely remember this.
0: Yeah. Um, and he did Pimple Wizard. And you know who else was in that movie it was Tina Turner. That I remember, and she played the Acid Queen, yeah, I remember which that. was like it, was, the acid th- you queen. have to see. This is yeah. the, well, you, you don't know who the who is. I'm pretty sure, but they like this is like a psychedelic, who? crazy. British, yeah. yeah, actually, I play again on Musical Wednesdays. I play him, Elton John, singing um, Pinball Wizard, and he's like in. I don't know if you've ever seen it when you're there, but like he's in this like crowded theater, and he's like they're playing pinball literally, and he's got <laughs> these big glasses that are all glittery. He, I saw an interview him with him where he said that he owned um, over 1,000 pair of glasses. Oh no,
1: he said he. Had has a quarter of a million, 250,000. No, shut no. Up. I looked it up. It no way. 250,000 pairs of glasses. She sunglasses? just like have a house just for her glasses? Basically. because <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, here's a fun little fact about
0: Elton John. So Elton started wearing glasses to copy one of his idols, who was Buddy Holly.
1: Oh, that would make sense.
0: So after a while, though, his eyes adjusted to the lenses, and he had to wear glasses for real.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he fucked up his eyes. <laughs> he fucked
0: up his eyes. Oh my God. And then he said recently in an interview that... Or not, I don't know how recent it was, but he said in an interview they were like... Um, are those prescription glasses? And he was like, "No, they're not." He had, you know, whatever uh, Lasik LASIK's yeah. done. He's like, "So I see fine." And she's like, "So what do you wear?" He says, "You know, what, if I like now, I've had them on for so many years that if I don't have them on, like I feel naked." And we took them off, and you're like, "Oh my god, doesn't even look like Elton John anymore." Yeah, like, and I she said, "I don't even recognize." You. He's like, "Well, that's <laughs> the point. Like, obviously, like I don't look the same unless um, I have uh, unless I have glasses on." So, um, <clears throat> anyways, the next album that he released was called "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." Oh, love this. Song, and that was 1973. It gained instant critical acclaim topped the charts on both um, sides of the Atlantic and remained at number one for two months in a row and um, I think it also temporarily kind of established um, Elton John as a glam rock star because it was just that energy and that look um, it contained a lot of number ones one of which was um, Benny and the Jets um, another one was "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Candle in the Wind Saturday Nights Are Right for Fighting um, and Funeral for a Friend um, and or Love Lies Bleeding um, so um Um, First of all, let's talk about Candle in the Wind, which came from this album, because you brought this up earlier. Yeah. So it it was originally written in 1973 to honor. Do you know who it was meant to honor? Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Um, And there was a
1: movie. It was in a movie. It was the title track for a Marilyn Monroe Biopic that did really poorly Yeah The song was the most memorable
0: And there was like There was this actress I forget her name That that played her though I thought it was a pretty good I thought it was
1: good But apparently It didn't do well in the theaters
0: Okay so In 1997 He rewrote uh, He did a He performed a rewritten version Of the song As a tribute to Princess Di um, And released the single And it reached number one In many many countries um, Proving much greater success Obviously than The first time That he released it And um, It was officially Then listed As the second Best Selling single of all time.
1: That's pretty incredible. Behind what? Michael Jackson thriller? Nope. What? Uh, it's got to be some you mean Rhapsody song? Nope. It is. It's got to be some 1950s. Uh, Happy birthday. It, it's, like, uh, okay, <laughs> wait. okay, wait. wait you're okay. totally close, and let's just say it's a holiday song. Oh, my God. Oh, oh yeah. White Christmas. Right. White, Christmas, no. White Christmas.
0: White Christmas. Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby's White Christmas. Yep.
1: So, I mean, that's freaking incredible, right? I remember it was such a big deal. I remember the song was a big deal. And I remember the, the when it happened was a big deal
0: because it was the way everyone you know, um, dealt with their grief. I mean, it was the, it was the song that went with the situation.
1: And I was working at Club Universe the night that that happened. I left home hearing that Princess Diana had been in an accident. What and year I, was this? This was ninety six, ni- uh, September nineteen ninety six or ninety seven. You were so, you 96. were a baby. Yeah, I was like nine. You were like ninety nine. He's like Princess who? <laughs> He's like Princess Leia. <laughs> 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 who? <laughs> but yeah, like, Princess Leia. The, I, guess, I mean, when I left home, when I left home to to go to work, and that was around like eight o'clock. They were like, oh, Princess Diana's been an accident. And then by the time I got to the club, people were walking around like zombies. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, oh, Princess Diana's dead. Like, it, but of wow. course, Queen still party. Like, you know, it became <laughs> a celebration. But uh, wow, the thing is, that song, like the moment the funeral happened was everywhere.
0: And I think that's why it became so popular is that, you know, everyone knew who, who Princess Di was. Oh, yeah. And so this was kind of like their, the song that helped them grieve. This was the song that went with their grief. And I think that that makes sense why it was number one. Let's give it a quick look at something.
2: No, I never knew you at all You had the grace to hold yourself But those around you crawled They crawled out of the woodwork And they whispered into your brain They set you on the treadmill And they made you change Seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind. Never.
0: You hear that And it does kind of Bring back the memories Of that time Um, Even though again It was originally written For Marilyn Monroe
1: And when he re-recorded it It was Goodbye England's Rose For Princess Di
0: Right, because that would have been kind of fucked up to be at the yeah. funeral and be like, goodbye Norma Jean. <laughs>
1: fuck, Norma Jean?
0: Queen Elizabeth's like, what the fuck, bitch? Change the lyrics. <laughs> what, what's the
1: other, what was the bitch, Camilla? That's the one that he was cheating with. Oh, right. That's what he should have done. Right. That bitch.
0: Right. Um, so, do, do, now, you might not remember, but I, I didn't remember until I actually saw her. But there was this PBS journalist, and her name was Gwen Ifill. She was She was probably one of the... Uh, at the time Like the most um, Noticeable African American PBS journalist She um, did the moderation For the president's election I believe I, yeah, in 2012 yeah, yeah. I remember her Remember she was really popular well, she, she died um, I think it was I think a couple years ago She died But she did this interview With um, With Elton John And The um, they talk about, at the end, she was talking about the glasses for a little bit, but then she talks about um, Benny and the Jets and how what that song was. And, and I, if, you don't know, if you don't know anything about Benny and the Jets, um, this kind of sums it up. And I didn't know this about it, and it was just kind of an interesting interview. So um, give, give, this, uh, give this interview a listen here. How many times would you say in your life, in your career, have you sung Benny and the Jets? Well, I've done three th- over 3,000 shows as Elton John. Uh, Benny and the Jets was on Goodbye Brick Road, which is about my sixth album, seventh album. So I must have sung it at least 2,000 times. 2,000 times. Th- and do you get sick of it? No. Um, we this don't, time, but I don't know about you. No, I mean, when you have a big repertoire like I have, you can exchange things. But Benny and the Jets has always been a constant. Because for me, it was my first R&B hit record. Uh, I was a white boy from England. Benny and the Jets was from Yellowick Road. And it became the number one black record in Detroit. <laughs> it did. And it became the Detroit Pistons theme song for a while. And they said to me, it's the number one black record. And for me, that's my favorite music. I went, oh, my God. So <laughs> when you just play that one note at the beginning. <laughs> that's all it takes. That's it takes. So no, I've. How can you get fed up with that? <laughs> thank you very much for thank playing you. with us. Thank you. Thank you. Gorgeous. You are wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Gorgeous. Right? Let's let's <laughs> let's um let's give it a listen here. This is the track. I love that his favorite stuff was black music. Who is it? Right.
3: That was it.
0: That was it. It's just that is a cool fucking jam,
1: isn't it? I could listen to just the
0: piano, right? I don't really Yeah, you didn't even need the lyrics, yes. right? But
1: again, look how he just jumps from like, you know, genre to genre. How he's able to deliver a song,
0: and that and that is obviously why he is so influential with so many different artists today, right? Because he's he's, he's able everywhere. he's crossed over to so many different types. I mean, he of,
1: could write a Broadway show and then do that, which he did. Phenomenal, yeah. Um, let's creep. talk
0: about his Broadway show. He had Lion King, yeah. Aida, yeah. and Billy Elliot. Yeah,
1: wow. I had no idea. Yeah, that's those
0: crazy. His shows. Yeah, I mean, in all award-winning shows, he won. He won plenty. of won Grammy oh, awards Tony and Award. uh, Tony awards. After Tony awards for these for these shows that he um, wrote the music for. I mean, it's this is just one of those careers that you just you can't even you can't sum up in the time that we have. But you want to try to do it justice. Um, just moving on quickly to kind of talk about a little bit about his 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 journey. Um, he formed his own record label called the Rocket Record Company, and that was. Um, something that he did way back in the early 70s. He he signed people like Neil Sadaka who you probably don't know. I I mean I right, I mean I know Neil Sadaka. Um, Kiki D, who he later ended up doing that duet with, Don't Go Breaking My Heart, uh, right? I was there. Um and instead of releasing his own records on his own label, he opted for an $8 million contract that was offered to him through MCA, which is kind of interesting. But I guess at the time, it was like, okay, this is a guaranteed $8 million versus yeah. me trying to do this shit on my own. And
1: also, I think he wanted to pioneer new music more so than make money. I think his, his goal, I think, was you know, to get new sounds out.
0: I mean, ab- absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. Um, he imagined that just after a few years of hitting the scene, this is now 1974, The MCA released Elton John's Greatest um, Greatest Hits um, to have a greatest hits album
1: <laughs> Halfway through your career Like I'm
0: yeah. only a few years yeah. Into your whole career Is kind of like uh, Okay It sold 16 million copies Like You have a greatest hits And you <laughs> only have like Three out of four <laughs> albums out, You know that it really Did anything Um one of the albums that I really loved was called Caribou and it was released in 1974. It was his third number one in, in the UK and the US um, and it reportedly recorded, it was por- reportedly recorded just in two weeks time, which is pretty pretty amazing um, and it had the song Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, which, you know, that George song.
1: Michael made famous again.
0: George Michael made famous again. I mean, the song was amazing and then when they did that duet, that was pretty, pretty um, spectacular. Um, you know, besides being the most commercially successful period, which I think for him was like 1970, 1970- to 1976 is when he had his album. Um, you know, he he also um, held was held in the most uh, in the most regard critically. He had, uh, with only a three year span between 1972 and 1975, he saw seven consecutive albums reach number one, um, something that had never been accomplished before in, in any in anybody's career. So no one had ever seen that um, before. Um, and then we talked a little bit about the Lion King. But in the 1990s, he collaborated with Tim Lear, um, Tim Rice, sorry, um, for the Lion King. He won Academy Awards um, for and you feel the love tonight in Circle of Life. Uh, he won Tony Awards for um, for all of those shows that we discussed, um, and he, uh, you know, he wrote a lot of stuff for for a lot of different a different artist and different people and different movies. So, you know, this is, this is, this is a guy who's been obviously super busy. And I think talking about a gay icon, you know, what made him a gay icon outside of him just being gay? I mean, like we said, he first admitted he was bisexual, which is like whatever. But I think, you know, like we talked about in, uh, before with um, David Bowie, it was this gender bending thing. It was being able to wear these crazy elaborate, you know, almost effeminate outfits. I mean, I've seen pictures of Ellen John when he comes out in these big, this big hope, and like, hope thing. And yeah. he's, he's literally wearing a dress, yeah. you know, i mean um and and so funny story guess what else he's totally into and has supported for years that has nothing to do with the music that you would never think he was a part of
1: well i know he has he has his own uh, the elton john aids foundation which has raised like four hundred million bucks. He has a big Oscar party every year that he does.
0: Right. So he definitely has um, his foundation which is like you said has raised like over four hundred million dollars over the years and has been there. He has the, the Oscars after party, whatever. Does, does he have a line of sunglasses? Well that would make fucking would make sense. sense. Right like why like Maybe, or is it shampoo? Does he have
3: shampoo? <laughs> no shampoo. <laughs> no shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> she, she,
0: right. She <laughs> She's got she, plugs. She got plugs. I don't think she yeah I think she got a special shampoo for that. <laughs> um but she is a huge football fan. Oh. Uh, uh in in England, you oh. know, English football.
1: No, yeah, who cares? Uh, yeah, right. No, but <laughs> she like has. Bitch, but you would, but you
0: would, never think that it was like the sports, you know, not um, the this, this sports. <laughs> not
3: my fave. What do you say? Not
0: my fave. <laughs> not my fave. Uh, well, uh, British, British football. <laughs> British football. Where they just like pansy around. They it's like soccer. British they, football is soccer, right? Yeah. Well, they do like they do. What's that little po- the pony dance? Like they feel like that's never. It's not really. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's not what you. Have you ever watched? Um, I think it was Family Guy too that does an episode oh, yeah. of where they play English football. And it's like, excuse me, pardon me, and it's me, excuse me, pardon me. It's like this ridiculous, like, and they're like prancing down the field.
1: Where's the li- where's the live feed of this?
0: I know we no, we seriously, we seriously have to um, have a webcam in here, right? Um, well, this was another um, uh, one more quick uh, track that I want to play from um, Yellow Brick Road, which I just the song is just freaking. Awesome. Awesome. It just, I don't know, give it a sec. It's about the Wizard of Oz, right?
3: It is. Well,
0: it, 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 has some, it has something to do with it. Like I think it's the principle of like the Yellow Brick Road to somewhere. Yeah. Like goodbye, your 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 road to happiness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. Did you did you guys know that um, that he and Madonna had a little tiffy tiff? Oh yeah. Oh no. Do you know Do you know
1: about it? I, they've had a couple. But they had one where they were. Very
0: so rich. It, the feud began in 2004, while Elton was accepting award for um, best classic songwriter, and um, and this is an excerpt from his speech. Here he said, uh, "Madonna, best live act." And then he like redacted off and he was like he's like, Since when has lip syncing been live? <laughs>
2: Girl.
0: Ooh. Shots he fired. Shot fired. Shots fired. He's like, sorry about that, but I think everyone who lip syncs on stage in public when you pay like seventy five quid to see them should be shot. Thank you very much. That's me that's me off for Christmas card list. But do I give a <laughs> he goes, but do I give a toss? No. <laughs> <laughs> toss. <laughs> but do but do I give a toss? Yeah, they, they always had I feel like they had a few on and off. So I think that continued on.
1: Yeah. I think she fired back and then he said some stuff, but I think they've, they patched it up.
0: I think, I think now that they, they've definitely patched it up and I think things are, you know,
1: I mean, celebrity feuds are a good way to stay current. Mm -hmm. You know, when someone's popular, if you can get them to engage with you in a feud, then you kind of, you know, make yourself a little more relevant.
0: Yeah. He was a big supporter of Hillary Clinton during her campaign. I think he donated like two point, raised $2.5 million or something for her. Um, That's
1: pocket change for him. That's like two pairs of sunglasses.
0: (laughs) I know, right? Can you believe that? Um, um, So... There's before we go out, we're out of time again. I can't. Like, yeah, this it, needs to be a two-part series for Elton John. For, well, it needs to be like for for some of these artists, it's really hard to bring it. I mean, I used to do this in 30 minutes. No, you can't even get to the 80s. I can't even. Though. Right. I mean, it, it, you don't. And we again, this is literally like taking your finger on the top of the cake and just like going like that because yep. there's just there's so much and so much time. But you know, if, for people that don't know anything about Elton John, you hope or, or you know, they know who he is or they know a couple of songs, but like a little bit more of the history. You know, it's it's interesting because as I do my research. Um, and I spent a lot of time researching this stuff you know um, it's, so, it's so amazing how much I learn and I'm like wow really I didn't know that I didn't know that so I'm also learning as I, as I go along and it's, it's really been um,
1: a great journey to kind of be able to but try know, to decide what, what makes an artist an, a gay icon it's, it's such a like you know it's such a like gray area you know, but some people just have it, and I think Elton John is definitely one of those guys. Well, I
0: know one of the things that um, definitely probably helped to put him into the gay market for sure is um, when his he ass. when he did his wife his, <laughs> his ass. <laughs> I don't the know market. about that, <laughs> the, but but he did he did he did do a little number with one of our super uber famous. Drag queens.
1: Oh, the RuPaul. Did you do with RuPaul? Uh huh. Oh, I remember this. He
0: did a duet with RuPaul, which was like uh huh, which was, and I remember being out in West Hollywood (laughs) at the bars (laughs) watching this music video and being like, Ru motherfucking Paul is singing (laughs) with Elton fucking John, (laughs) like how and and so again, it's like I remember going, how cool is that? Like to see. You know her and then him together i was like oh my god and it did feel like a voice and even though he wasn't like saying you know hey i'm gay because i'm singing with her it was like that yeah. and it was but um you have to <laughs> you have to listen to a little bit of it because it's kind of funny it's like a dancey mix of don't go Breaking in my, my heart um wait listen <laughs> 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 oh shit i'm doing the wrong here we go here we go Come on, dance. It's very, like, early
1: 2000s. You know, like, it's really very, yeah, weird. it's very, like...
0: I'm waiting to hear how Rue's voice is synthesized. Listen up, listen up.
1: That hysterical. That's a moment. That's a moment.
0: You ha- okay, so Philip, you not have the two. Moment. You have two music, two music videos you have to go watch. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but this music video you should definitely go watch because <clears throat> it's just another one. And, and even how like Rue looks back then, like just not as obviously as refined. I mean, she was younger, obviously, but. It's just such a different yeah. look, but, and know, to see the two of them interacting with each other, and I don't this know. This wasn't.
1: A, I mean, he's had a few gay moments, but I think his biggest gay moment was when he sang with Eminem. Do you remember that? What? The he's, controversy. Yes. Eminem had put out all the anti-gay lyrics, and yep. the the uh, Grammys opened up two thousand one with with him playing yeah. Stan, doing Stan with him. him. It was a huge I mean the gay community was really split on that.
0: They were split because they were like how can you be performing and supporting with somebody you know who's like this but then the other half was like you know I think kind of like the
1: well the quote that I found was you know when he was questioned about it um, you know when he and David Furnish Furnish got married he was like well Eminem sent us a gift I guess that's a homophobe for you (laughs) he was just very much like so I guess you know they were friends and they were they were always friends I guess the lyrics from those songs were meant to be a character even though it was an anti-gay you know it right. promoted violence it was you know very controversial at the time
0: I mean it just it amazes me just the span of his career the different things that have happened experiences that someone like this has had in in their lifetime yeah. and, and it's pretty incredible how influential a person can be in their lifetime um, I'm going to close out with um, one of my favorite songs um, that you mentioned earlier which is Don't Let the Sun Go Down to Me it was okay. the um, duet with George Michael and if you've ever seen this live it's super so good. super powerful and it's super amazing Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to Really Queen Radio. I want to thank my guest co-host, David Helton and Philip Garasso. Thanks for
3: having me. Thank you
0: guys so much. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share them with your friends or your enemies. (laughs) Whatever, girl. Um, Instagram is Really Queen Radio. Our website is ReallyQueenRadio.com and I'm super excited uh, to bring you some more stuff this season. So stay tuned and thanks again and we will see see you next week we're going out with uh george michael and elton john singing don't let the sun go down on me have a good week
2: No more